Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Let's pray real fast. Father, we just ask you to be with us today. We have been blessed today by the worship music. We've been blessed by what Gary and Nikki have said to us. Lord, they have reminded us that you are good and you prove it and you show it to us. And so we ask you to come today and to speak into our lives, into our hearts and guide and direct us, Lord. Teach us, show us from your word what you want. And Lord, help us to become the people that you have planned for us to be. God, we don't want to just say, yeah, I'm a Christian and go on and do whatever. Lord, we need to become disciples. And we're praying that you would make us disciples. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to think for just a moment real quickly what it would look like in Muncie, Indiana, if all of a sudden there were no churches here. What would that look like to you? If all of a sudden there were no churches here, what would your life look like without the influence of the church? I mean, just, just think about that for a minute. If suddenly this church closed, and I know there's a lot of other churches, and that, that, that might not make that much difference to many, but if this church closed, if suddenly all the churches in Muncie were closed, how do you think that would change your life and the life of others in Muncie? See, it's real popular these days to say this, I don't need the church. Or more like, I just don't need to go to church. I don't need to attend. You see, we have this way of thinking, this convoluted, twisted way of thinking, really, that says that God's grace covers everything, and I don't need discipleship and correction in my life. In other words, if I do something wrong, if I mess up, well, God's going to cover it anyway, so why worry about it? And I don't believe that's the way God intends for us to live our lives. I think he wants us to be disciples. I've sat and I've reflected on my life, and I have to say that all the significant changes in my life, all the growth places in my life have happened in the fellowship of the church, every one of them. I loved what Ian was saying about, Pastor Ian was saying about the youth group, how it was in the youth group. If it wasn't for the youth group, he wouldn't be here today. And I have a feeling that a lot of you would raise your hands and say, if it wasn't for the youth group, I wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for something in the church, specifically a small group of godly people and friends I wouldn't be here today. See, without the church, without the Sunday school classes, the youth groups, the young adult ministries, the college and universities of our church, the godly pastors and the prayers of the saints, I would be so far from the person I am today. I am a product, I am a result of the church. I love the church. Can I say that again? I love the church. I really do. I am not apologizing for the church. Oh, the church, does it make some mistakes? You bet. But I do not apologize for the church. Has the church messed up a few times in my life? Oh, yeah. But I love the church. It's my family. You know what? You're more my family than my family is in many ways. You're my church. You're my people. My church has problems. It squabbles. It messes up. But it's my family. And I need my family. I need my church. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12, we read this story in advice. It says, in the, and it's in the message that I want to read this from today. It's entitled this way. It says, why am I working like a dog? 
I thought that was a pretty good title. Anyway, uh, verse 7, I turned my head and saw yet another wisp of smoke on its way to nothingness. A solitary person, completely alone, no children, no family, no friends, yet working obsessively, late into the night, compulsively, greedy for more and more, never bothering to ask, why am I working like a dog, never having any fun, and who cares? And the writer says, more smoke or more vapor or it's bad business. It's better to have a partner than to go alone. Share the work, share the wealth, and if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, it's tough. Two in a bed warm each other. Alone you shiver all night. By yourself you're unprotected. With a friend you can face the worst. Can you round up a third, a, a strand, a three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. See, the writer of the Ecclesiastes here, this book is saying that doing life alone is meaningless. He's saying it has no meaning. It's, it's miserable business. I believe he's on to something very important here. In the story he tells, there's a man who labors and he toils for one reason. He toils for wealth. That's not enough. He's alone. His work has no purpose except to make him wealthy. Though he struggles and works all day and even late into the night, he has nothing to show for it except money. So we finally ask the question, why am I working like this? Why do I work so hard? Why am I working like this? Never having any fun, and who cares anyway? You know, I got firsthand information on that. Uh, my father is a great guy. I loved him. He was a good dude in some ways, but he was mixed up in others. I got to tell you something. When he died, he died with a big, giant pile of money. But you know, he never took a vacation. He never went anywhere. He always talked about going out to Yellowstone. He never did it. He always talked about having some fun with his family. He never did it. You know what he did when he died? We all got together and took a vacation, the one he never took us on. It's kind of sad when you think about it, but that's exactly what he's talking about here. The writer Solomon declares the truth that going it alone with no one to do life with you is miserable business, and while the world is full of people, and it is, everywhere you look there's people, everywhere you go there's people, and we want to have a few friends and do great moments of life together, and we love TV shows like you know, like Cheers and Friends and, and Seinfeld, and some of you are getting going, that's, those are old, and I know that, and I don't know what else is on now. So I'm, I'm just telling you what was on. And we want to be part of those groups. Uh, we, we like those TV shows where they have groups of friends and they do life together. But the reality is most people have few, if any, real friends, and most have no group, no life, or a group to do life with. And almost none of us have people who we trust. And who we'll tell the truth and love to. And who will give us correction. And who we trust to give us correction that we desperately need. See, the reality is, is that most people in the United States are instead sitting in their living rooms in front of their 60-inch TV in the warm glow of their cell phone while they read about and envy the fake lives of a few hundred of their virtual friends on social media. Anybody here say amen to that? Yeah. Life is for many a miserable business. Even people who are married and yet sit alone next to a spouse who they rarely, if ever, talk to or do life with. See, this is why our high school years are our best years. They're great years because we have friends and we go out and do things with our friends. We do them together. We think, oh, those high school years, those college years, 
Those were the best because we had friends. The question is, what is the point of it all? And Solomon declares to us in verse 9, it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. To share the work, to share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. That's what I want to talk about for a few moments this morning. What are you doing or who are you doing life with? You knew life, you, you know life is screaming by. That right now, we remember Y2K. Anybody here remember Y2K? Remember that? Yeah, maybe. Anybody? I want to ask a question here. Anybody still have water in your basement from Y2K, you know, where you kept it, the bottled water? I just, just throwing it out there. Maybe a, a half a beef stored in somewhere that you never quite got rid of or something, you know, just in case. You know, the reality is, is that the kids who were born in 2000 are going to college this year. Think about it. Let that sink in a minute. The kids who were born in 2000 are getting ready to go to college. Life is going, bye. It's quick. I think about all the people that used to sit here who are gone. They were here in 2000. It's amazing. It's amazing. Life is just screaming past us. How many of you um, know that time is of the essence? That right now, we can't just keep saying, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that one of these days. I'll get around to that. But the question is this, where... Where do you build relationships and friendships that have meaning and purpose and existence? Because most people aren't doing it. Most people are saying someday. One of these days I'll get to that. But they don't do it. I think, they have, I, think I have an answer to that question and I want to share it with you today. I want to suggest that the church is the perfect place to make meaningful friends. See, you know, it is. It really is. But here's the problem. You can't do it on Sunday morning when we're preaching, right? I mean, you can. If you guys want to get up and talk right now while I preach, I'll keep preaching. You just go ahead and talk, I guess. I mean, you know, some people do that whether I want them to or not. Some take a nap, some, you know, whatever. I mean, it's okay. Clip your fingernails. I've found that before. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens in church, you know. And, and, and don't kid yourself. I can see you up here, you know. I know what's going on. <laughs> but see, making friends in church doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen just because you show up, you know. You have to work at it, just like anything else. We're getting ready to kick off the small groups for the fall. And you're going, oh, he's got an agenda. You're right, I do. We already have several small groups ready to go. Brooke, raise your hand over here, Brooke. Brooke is working hard getting things set up and getting ready to go. We're not done yet, but we think we have several other potential groups that are going to be going as well. And they are planned and they are designed for several reasons. They're meant to be connection groups. See, connection groups are groups that will focus on friendship, some common interests, social activity, eating together, playing together, hanging out, becoming friends. They will also be growth groups because not only do we want you to be friends, we want you to pray together, and you will, and for each other, and you will, and we will study the Bible together, and you will, and you discuss the messages from the pastor's sermons, which we will give to you, and you will do social projects together, like sharing shoes with those kids this last Saturday, a week ago Saturday, where we gave away 1,150 pairs of shoes. That was the most fun I'd had in a long time. I got to talk to these kids. I was having so much fun. These two little girls came in. I think they were twins. They were the cutest little girls I think I'd ever seen. They walked up there in a little smile, and I said, man, you two girls, you have the best smile in the whole world. And all of a sudden, they were smiling even bigger, and like the room got really light, and it was just awesome. And you get to talk to all these kids, and then there's the other kids who are walking in. You want to go to school? No! 
you know, and you just try to encourage that. I mean, you know, just be as nice as you can. Love on the parents, I'm sorry, you know, and whatever. But, you know, it was just fun giving away. And that's what we're going to be doing. Your group's going to go together and do some of those kinds of things because we as a church need to be doing those kinds of things. There will also be discipleship groups. They will be, there will be accountability going on. You will work on growing up in your sanctified life. You know, in the Church of Nazarene, we have a problem. We say, oh, I'm sanctified, and then we quit. Why? Sanctified just means I'm starting. I mean, it's a, it's a place where God has done a work in our lives, but now we got to get to work and continue the work and grow up in Christ. And you know what? We need a church that will grow up in Christ. We need to get growing up in Christ. This whole church needs to start growing up in Christ even more than we are now. We need to work on growing, so we're going to do that. We're going to receive correction. There's going to be people in your group that's going to say, you know, I think where you're headed might be a problem. Anybody here need anybody to tell you what you're doing wrong sometimes? You know, because like, you know, I'm thankful I'm a married person because I know if I was unmarried, you know, I'd be so far off some, I mean, Darcy is what holds me on the other side. She's like the other side of me walking down the railroad tracks. We hold hands. We can make it together because without both of us, going every which direction. And you know what? You all need that. Whether you're married or unmarried, we need people in our lives who will bring correction to us. You'll learn the word. You'll learn to live in the application of the word. You'll learn to focus and love others. Focus on and love others instead of yourself. And we have all these awesome groups ready and available. But if they're going to be effective, guess what? You have to be in them. They won't work if you don't join them. They're for you. And they're to help you on your journey to live in the kingdom. But they will not, cannot help you if you choose not to participate. You know, I have a GPS on my phone. Kind of like you with that, you know, got a GPS. And, and I get it out once in a while, and I do follow it. But you know what? I'm the old school guy. I like to do it by dead reckoning. Anybody know what dead reckoning is? Anybody know? If you're flying, dead reckoning means that you go by the seat of your pants. You basically are just trying to figure it out by, oh, the sun's over there. That's, that must be this. You know, that's north, that's south. You know, and, and I think that's so much fun to do that. But you know what? Sometimes I get myself really, really lost doing that. So what I do is I get out my GPS, and it says, you're here. And I say, well, I want to go here. And it tells me how to get there. But I have to get it out, and I have to uh, access it before it will actually work. I could stay lost. Well, I got a GPS in my pocket. I shouldn't be lost. I have to use it. The groups have to be used. They have to be used. Now, I know it's much easier to sit at home in your PJs and look at Facebook. I mean, you know, I'm testifying to the crowd here. It's just easy sometimes to come home, slip on the gym shorts, put on a t-shirt, and just go sit there in front of the TV and scratch your stomach and eat potato chips. I mean, you know, what, what's better than that? Watch, watch the Facebook, keep a ball game on, you know, it's good. You know. And I'm not saying never do that, because, you know, you should once in a while. But that shouldn't be your normal way of life. That is meaningless. Did I say meaningless? Because it is. It's a meaningless existence. Reflect for just a moment with me about what your life would look like if all you did was live via Facebook. Now, I know for some of you that's really easy because that's your life right now. And that's not nice, but it's true, and I know that. But reflect on what the world would look like if all we did was just stay at home and communicate via Facebook. Ask right now, how much will you grow if you spend all your time in Facebook and TV? How much will you grow spiritually? How much will you grow as a person? Let me ask you a question. 
How much do you grow via the spiritual memes on Facebook? Anybody want to say, oh, yeah, man, that lifts my soul, man. I'm telling you right now, it turned me around. You know what? Everything you put on Facebook, everybody goes, eh, whatever. They don't care. Oh, but that was so meaningful. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's meaningless. What is the reward of that kind of life? See, these small groups are designed to help us grow into the likeness of Christ and into real fellowship and relationships. And I believe this is the best way. And there's just a little more I want to add to this. It's kind of a second part. The first part of this message was about how the groups could help you have a better life. But see, life isn't about you and me. It isn't about just me and you. It it just isn't. Okay? So the second part of this message, I want to focus on real briefly how together we can go about helping change the world for others because I believe small groups has a place to do that as well. Right now, the hot topic in saving the world is not to use plastic straws out in California. Everybody been, you know, right? So the world is getting better to be saved because we got rid of them straws. There's something I think of even greater importance and concern than that, and yet most people ignore this danger. There are literally thousands of people in Delaware County right now, as we sit in this church building and as we listen to this message, there are literally thousands of people in Delaware County alone who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This concerns their forever. Think about this. This concerns their forever, not just our right now. And guys, I've got to tell you something, people. This should concern you and me as well. This should be our concern. See, these people are our family, our friends, and our neighbors. And if we truly believe that hell is real, and I do, and if we truly believe that hell eternally separates us from God and all that is good and holy, and I do believe that, then my question is how apathetic do I have to be? How much do I have to not care to just sit by and let my family members, my friends, the people around me, my neighbors, Just go to hell. Think about that. See, Jesus, as he finished up here on earth, was with the twelve and some other disciples. And this event is recorded in Matthew 28, 16. And we just often remember the last things people say to us before they die. And Jesus isn't dying here, but he is leaving the earth. And he's with his disciples. And the last thing Jesus said here on earth is this. And I think it's so important because it's the last thing he said. And anything Jesus says is important. But when it's the last thing he's saying to you, it wasn't go Colts. I mean, I just know that. What he said was, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So first of all, I want to tell you that it takes a disciple to make a disciple. We cannot make disciples unless we become disciples. And the question I have for you this morning is, are you a disciple? I don't ask you, are you a believer? Because I know that almost everybody here is probably going, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But believing in Jesus isn't enough. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? I think that makes a difference. We want to change our kids. We want to change our spouse. We want to see our neighbors come to Jesus. We want to fix the world. We want our grandkids to get saved and all those things. But the question is this, are you a disciple? I'm not asking, again, if you're a believer I'm not asking you if you at your life someplace along the way you prayed a prayer of salvation. I know that. You all did that. I'm not asking if you've gone to church. A lot of you have gone to church all your life. I'm not even asking you if you've read the scripture and memorized it. Some of you have got it more memorized than I'll ever be. Some of you are well versed on it, but you're not living it out. It's not being a disciple to know the scripture. That's not being a disciple. 
So let me explain it real quickly. Jesus gave you the criteria of a disciple when he commanded us to make disciples. And it's really easy to measure our success to know if we're a true disciple because we know exactly what Jesus said a disciple was to be. So number one, a disciple is a person who lives under and goes out with the authority of Jesus. You live under the authority of Jesus, first of all. And when you live under the authority, then you are given that authority to go out into the world with that authority. Jesus lived and ministered under the authority given to him by his Father God. Everything he did, he said, I see my Father do it, I do it. He never said, I figured it all out on my own, I'm going over here, I'm going to freelance. He said, I saw my Father do it, and I can do it. He was in total submission to his Father. He did nothing except what his Father told him to do. He was the exact representation of God to us. When you saw Jesus... You saw God. That's how it works. Jesus said in John 14, 7, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. If you know Jesus, you know God. The power Jesus had to heal, deliver, and set people free was the authority his Father gave him. He wouldn't have had that if he didn't keep his eyes focused on God. He would have lost it. If he would have come and done his own thing, he wouldn't have been powerful. Jesus is now saying, I've been given authority, and now I'm going to give you that authority. He is commanding the disciples to go with the authority given to you. Go out as a disciple. Do what you saw me do. Be a disciple, which means you will be the exact representation of Jesus to the world as Jesus was of his Father. When the world sees you, they should know what Jesus looks like. Set the captives free, heal the lame, the blind, love people as Jesus loved them. So the question is, do you live under the full authority of Jesus Christ? And the second part is this, as a disciple, go out and make disciples. Jesus did not say, go make more church workers. It'd be nice to have more church workers, but that's not what he was calling us to. He did not say, go get more people to convert. He did not say, grow a large following and build large buildings. He did say, go make disciples. And when people believe and accept what I did for them on the cross, then he said, then baptize them. As soon as they say they believe, baptize them. Mark them as mine through baptism. That's how we mark people. We say, you're now Jesus Christ. You died with him. You've been raised with him. Baptize them. Teach them to come under my authority. Teach them to come under my leadership. Teach them to obey me. Teach them to live in obedience to what I've taught, which is basically this, love others as I've loved you. Almost every, well, every command in the Bible, every teaching in the Bible can go back to that. Love others like Christ loved you. It's right there. And that's what he's saying to you. Do you find yourself living and making disciples? Or are you just saying, well, I go to church and I'm a, I'm a follower. It's okay. I'm, I'm, I believe. <clears throat> he says, go with my authority, make disciples. And then he says, I'll always be with you. A lot of us are trying to figure out how to convince people to follow Jesus. Anybody ever have someone you want to get saved and you know, you're just like, I don't know how it's going to happen. They just seem so lost. I don't know how in the world they're ever going to get saved. Anybody? A few of you, you should all have people like that. We're trying to get our kids to follow Jesus. We're trying to get our grandkids to follow Jesus. We're trying to get our spouse to love Jesus. We're angry at the world and its politics and all the stuff that people write on Facebook to try to get people to straighten up and follow Jesus. And none of it's working. And the kids are running away and the spouse is rarely around. And the world is laughing. And here's why. Here's why. Listen to me carefully on this right now. You're trying to do it by the wisdom and the power of the world. Think about it. Jesus knew you could not count on 
uh, on your own to make anyone change. You can preach really cool sermons. I can get up here and I can take it apart and I can twist it around and I can tell you what the Greek said and we can make all kinds of nice illustrations out of it. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I come not with persuasive words, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that, folks, is why we're not changing the world. We're not coming in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're coming with cool stuff. We can have cool buildings. We could put in a new cool sound system, and we need to do that. And we could have cool lights up here, and that'd be all right. And we can have a great youth group, and we want to do that. And we could have cool children's ministries going on. But no one's going to get saved unless there's the power of the Holy Spirit moving in that. Jesus said, I'll be with you. He came to be with the disciples at Pentecost. He's one with all who believe in our followers of Christ. He comes to live in us. When you accepted Jesus, when you repented of your sins, and that is how you accept Christ. It's not a, an acknowledgement, okay, I believe. It's a repentance of our sins. When you got on your knees and said, I was wrong, and you're right, and I'm changing, I'm going a different direction, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. God is with you. So now we need to go out as disciples in the authority and the power of Jesus. We need to pray for the lost. Not that God would change them. You know, so often when we get together, oh God, you got to change her. you got to change her. Oh God, fix her, fix her. You know what we need to start praying? We need to start praying, God, help me to see them in such a way that I can love them and care for them like Jesus does. So that I can be the exact representation of Jesus to them. See, our calling is not to get them to say the sinner's prayer. Our calling is to make disciples. It's way different. Jesus called us to love them and to introduce them to the one who can save and change them. And I'm convinced that if we are ever going to do this, we need to get into a group of people who live under the authority of Jesus. So we need a small group and we need to gather together to come under the authority of Jesus Christ. We need to have a small group who will pray and take the authority of Jesus so that we can go out and love the world, so that we can invite our friends to come into that. And it won't be just, hey, let's go play checkers. But I want to introduce you to the one who can change your life. It's going to be a, a group who reads and studies the word together, not so they can nail people down with it, but so they can become more like Jesus. I need to know and read the word so that it changes me, so that it's making me to become more like Jesus. We need to be a group he can go to, we can go to and submit to and who can knock the rough edges off and who can help you keep in line in obedience to the Father. It needs to be a group who can celebrate with you when someone comes in to the place of belief and is baptized. It needs to be a group who will go out and look like Jesus as they care and love for the world in those social settings where we give away shoes it shouldn't be just shoes we give away and that's what small groups are all about it's not a fad jesus did it he had 12. john wesley did it it's not just a click clicks are friends that hang out together and you go to ball games together and you eat together and you laugh together and you go to each other's house and that's one thing this is a small group who is doing spiritual life together and it's not just people like you. You need people who are different to keep you in line. It's not just to have someone to hang out with in church. So we're inviting you to get into a small group, to get involved, to be known, to give true meaning and purpose to your life so that you can engage and care for others. So you can become a disciple and can go out and make disciples. 
Now, the reality is, I've already preached this, we can only make the groups available to you. Can't force you to do it. Maybe none of you will join. Y'all go, nah, not going to do that. And that's your business. I can't force you. Only the Holy Spirit can speak to your heart right now. But if the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart right now, telling you this is something you need to do, you don't dare turn away from it. I got to tell you, the only times in my life I've ever turned away when the Holy Spirit told me to do something I have regretted more than anything else in my entire, entire, entire life. And we have several groups. They're listed in the bulletin this morning. And as I said, there will be others starting that we will be finalizing and list soon. And so I want you to start praying about what God wants you to do. What does he want you to be in? We've also included in your bulletin this morning, there's a survey. And some of you probably already filled that out, and that's great. Some of you maybe did it online, and that's great. But if you have not filled that out yet, if you have not had a chance, your name doesn't need to go on it. No one's going to know who did it. We would love to have you fill it out. We want to know where you're at and what you think. And so we've created this with that in mind. And go through, and if there's a place that it's not apropos to you, you know, like I don't have kids, doesn't matter, you know, let us know that and then move on. But could you fill that out real quickly right now? We want it today. We don't want you to wait. Just get it filled out. Take you about three seconds to get down through those. I mean, it's not very long at all. You can do it while I pray here in a minute. And then when we conclude that, we're going to be done with this part of the service. Uh, here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to listen real carefully right now, real quick. If you've got children, you're going to have about five or six minutes to run and go get your kids. Okay? If you've got to go to the bathroom real bad, you've got to go run and do that real quick. There's four bathrooms plus a few others, and we can find a way to you know, get out there and get going and get that done. And then we're going to get back here and we're going to have our meeting. And this is a very, very important meeting and you don't want to miss it. And even if you're not a member and you say, man, I'd, I'd like to know what's going on, we invite you to come and be a part of that. Okay? So go ahead and I'm going to pray, get that filled out. And we're going to put an offering plate back here. Matt, can you get me something to put it in or give them to Matt as he's going to sit right there? Just hand them to Matt on your way out of the place today, someplace along the way, or we'll get something to catch him. And we're going to get those, and then we're going to be back here for the meeting as quickly as possible, okay? So let's pray. Father, right now, we thank you for this day, and I thank you for your love, and I thank you that you have called us to be your disciples. You called us to be your friends. You didn't just call us to be acquaintances. You didn't call us to just come in and, and hang out once in a while, but you called us to be your children. You said, I want you to be everything that I am, and I want you to go out, and I want to use you to make a difference in the world that we live in. And God, I praise you for that. And today, right now, Lord, as we spend this time together, I pray your Holy Spirit would speak into the lives of people, that they would begin to hear your still, small voice. And as they hear that, that they would make commitments and say yes. There may be some here today that say, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to help lead a small group. I, I would love to do that. And I haven't really been asking. I just ask right now that they would uh, have the courage and, the, and, the, and the, make the decision to uh, go see Brooke and say, I need to talk to you. I want to talk about doing this. Lord, we need others who will lead. And so we're praying for that. Holy Spirit, right now, just move in this place. Speak into hearts and just guide us. And now, Lord, as we get ready to start this next part here in just a few minutes, when we gather back, uh, I pray for that meeting, that it will be a meeting that will glorify and honor your name in every way, and that you will be, uh, that it will be the right decisions, we'll make the right choices. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.